Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Super Sleuths Book 2 The Royal Captive by E.M. Clark. Read by Lexi. Chapter 9. Escape from French Town. The sleuths strained at the oars, rowing as hard as they could away from Mudtown. Milo kept a sharp lookout for any more cores in the air or jacket in the water, but all was silent. They moored the explorer and crept back to Delphina's, keeping to the shadows so as not to attract the notice of watchers on the lookout for curfew breakers. They slipped back inside the house, and the sleuths quickly told Delphina what had happened, including the attack by the corps and the jacker. She glanced nervously at the front door. You can't stay here, she said. It's not safe. The jacker have seen your boat, and there is a register. They will find out it belongs to Philippe. Ma's right, her son agreed. But where can we go? asked Sophie. Home, said Delphina firmly. But first, Joletta wishes to speak to you all. Philippe. Take them through the old passages, then get them to the Golden Ram and Captain Jet. You must not get caught. Prince Igor will have watchers everywhere now the princess has escaped. And with that, Delphina led them to the kitchen, where she opened a dusty cupboard door. Inside was a narrow stone staircase leading down into the darkness. Another smuggler's passage, said Zav. French town is full of them, replied Delphina. Off you go, and be careful. They all walked down the secret stairs, Ratha chattering nervously on Zav's shoulder. As they descended, they heard Delphina close the cupboard door behind them. It was very dark without the light of the kitchen to guide them, and Zelly felt glad to have the comforting warmth of her parrot beside her. You have to feel your way down, said Philippe. Keep one hand on the wall to the right-hand side to help you. They slowly moved down, their hands following the smooth stone, until the staircase levelled out into an earth-walled passage. At the end of it was another door. Get ready to climb, said Philippe through the darkness. Zelly was holding Richenda's hand and she gave it an encouraging squeeze. She would never let the princess be recaptured. Philippe pushed the door open and they started to climb a narrow staircase which had sconces of firelight lining the walls to show them their way. Up they climbed, the staircase winding its way until they reached the top. In the doorway stood the white-haired lady Zellie and Sophie had met the previous day, her magenta robes aglow in the firelight, a warm smile on her wrinkled face. Come in! she cried, stepping aside to let them into a room vibrant with the multicoloured feathers of her beloved parrots. Gilletta was focused on the princess. She was holding Richenda's hands, just as she had done with Zelie's. Richenda, of the house of Richmondo, you are special indeed. I knew your mother. You too are gifted with the powers of the house of Flambeau, and it's time you had your own parrot. The princess's eyes widened in delight and Zelie and Sophie grinned at each other. Gilletta was sweeping through the room at a surprisingly fast pace, whirling in a swirl of pink. As she turned and wheeled amidst the birds, a bright blue parrot soared towards her and landed on her outstretched arm. Gilletta stopped spinning and smiled. She whispered something in the parrot's ear. 
it cocked its bright little head, nodded, and flew to Richenda, who put her hands out to catch it. She gently brought the parrot up so they were facing each other, and a flash of understanding flickered between them. Abatha, breathed Richenda, and the parrot gave a little twitter of agreement. I'll call her Abatha. Oh, she's beautiful. Thank you. And she smiled at the witch, who was nodding contentedly. You need as much protection as I can give you, Gilletta said. You must not give in to Igor's demands. The throne of Sandlandia must not fall. She clapped her hands. Now, Mr Galliard, she said, addressing Philippe, you must get these sleuths to their ship. Come with me. Gilletta showed them to a trapdoor concealed by a colourful rug on the stone floor. Philippe pulled it open and grabbed the rope that was ready. Follow me down holding the rope, he said. There are spikes set into the stone to put your feet on. Philippe was about to start his descent when Gilletta cried out, One more thing! Take this! She rummaged inside a pocket, bringing out a small canister, which she handed to Philippe. Magic fog, she explained. It forms a smokescreen. Handy if you need a quick getaway. The sleuths grinned. Now, cried the witch, go! May the magic of Flambeau go with you and protect you. Felicitas! One by one, the sleuths grasped the rope, lowering themselves down. At the bottom, the flickering light of candles revealed that the passage ran straight down the hill towards the sea. The further down they went, the damper and colder it got. Under their feet were uneven cobblestones, making it hard to walk without tripping every now and then. It was strangely quiet in the passage, almost as if they were cut off entirely from the outside world, and they were all glad when they came to the end and saw another thick oak door. It's very stiff, said Philippe, trying to pull it open. Let's use that rope. He tied the rope to the loop of iron, which acted as the door's handle. After three, pull, ordered Philippe. One, two, three, now! They all pulled as hard as they could and, with a groan, the door slowly creaked inward. Before we go, whispered Zelly, let's make everyone invisible. Philippe shook his head. Not me, he said. I need to sail the boat. It'll look very suspicious if a boat rowing itself gets spotted. Good point, agreed Sam. You'd better stay visible. Philippe nodded. I'll head down to the boat now he said. Use the Sherlock Holmes cove when you arrive. Roger that, said Zav, and Philippe slipped out into the night. Leaving their extinguished candles on the floor, the sleuths all held hands and formed a tight circle, bathed in the moonlight which shone in from the open door. Everyone, close your eyes and concentrate on the place that makes you happiest, said Zelly, screwing her eyes up tight. Really imagine you're there. Everyone did as she asked, concentrating with all their might as the girls whispered, Fairy fee, fairy fee, grant us all invisibility. There was a silence in which they could hear the gentle lapping of the sea just metres away. Then, almost imperceptibly, the edges of the children started to wobble and fade, disappearing into the moonlit darkness around them until they could no longer be seen at all. Then, they moved silently out of the passageway and onto the dock. I can see the boat, whispered Sophie. Philippe? The young man looked up sharply. Elementary, he said. My dear Watson, came the reply from six invisible bodies.
Philippe grinned. That spell really works, he remarked. Right, all aboard. They all clambered in. Keep silent, Philippe warned. I know you're invisible, but that doesn't mean you can't be heard, and sound carries a long way on water. With that, they set off down the Great River once more, taking the reverse route and heading back to the Golden Ram, which was waiting patiently for them in Frenchtown's port. Suddenly, a searchlight stabbed through the darkness, and they were hailed roughly. Oi! This is a Barbosa patrol! What do you think you're doing? Just getting back from a spot of fishing, replied Philippe. You're out late, said the voice. Are you aware that there's a curfew in place by order of Prince Igor? Oh, I'm sorry, I didn't realise, said Philippe. This is the best time to fish. We'll be needing to search your boat in which case, the voice replied unpleasantly. The explorer's invisible passengers were frozen with horror. If they searched the boat, they would be discovered for sure. Name, ordered the harsh voice. And the name of your boat. The sleuths almost stopped breathing. What if Delphina had been right? What if the jacker had reported them and they really were looking for Philippe and his vessel? Galliard, Philippe replied, trying to stay calm. The explorer. There was a long and very horrible silence which made the children feel sick with anxiety. They know, was the terrifying thought rattling around all of their brains. The explorer, eh? came the voice. Well, well, Sonny, looks like you'll be coming with us. And from the dark water rose the long, sinister shapes of a very familiar enemy, a pack of jacker. Philippe acted quickly. He released the smoke canister Gilletta had given him and immediately a thick fog descended on the whole area. Help me row, muttered Philippe, and they all sprang into action, grabbing the oars and rowing with all their strength. Confused shouts were coming from the patrol boat and they could hear the thrashing and snapping of the jacker, disorientated by the sudden change in conditions. Not even the moonlight could slip through the blanket of fog, giving the sleuths precious minutes to escape. Philippe's skills meant that even in the fog he was sure of their course and they sped over the dark water, approaching the golden ram from the sea. Over on the shore they could hear people rushing about, but they were now well beyond lantern range and slipped alongside the ship without being noticed. It's a good job they don't have the illuminator's par invented here, thought Zav, thinking of the bright lights which lit Sandopolis, thanks to his father's invention of solar power energy. Frenchtown only had oil lanterns and candles, and they weren't very bright. The ship rose high above them, which meant they had to climb up onto the deck, using ropes dangling down the sides. Captain Jet was waiting to pull them all aboard. Hello, everybody! he said warmly, giving his son Milo a hug and slapping them all on the back. Suddenly, he stopped, catching sight of Richenda, and he bowed respectfully. Princess, I am very glad to see you. Let's get you home. Aye, aye, Captain, Richenda replied, and everyone laughed. They very quickly updated the captain, telling him about the bin patrol, which had nearly caught them. Philippe was looking nervous. I need to get back, he said. Oh, thank you for everything, Philippe, cried Zelie, flinging her arms around him. Everyone added their thanks and hugs, and Captain Jet shook Philippe's hand warmly. 
Thank you for looking after them all, Philippe. I'm very impressed. My men have loaded fish into the Explorer for you to prove your story, just in case you're stopped again. And with no sign of any other children, they'll have no evidence against you. Aye, aye, Captain, Philippe replied with a smart salute, and, quick as a flash, he was down the rope and into the Explorer again. Go below, everyone, said the captain to the sleuths. Best to stay hidden for now. Then he called to Curly Donlan. Prepare to make way! Thanks for listening. Join us next time for more adventures in Chapter 10, Pursuit. Check out the interactive map on our website, supersleuths.net. Want to read along? Super Sleuths Book 2, The Royal Captive, is available now on Kindle. Enjoyed today's chapter? Why not rate our podcast? See you next time.